Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to the stream. Uh, this is the Dojo Talks Studies. I believe this is episode 15 of Dojo Talks. And uh, we have a very special guest with us, International Master uh, Cyrus Lakdawala uh, from Southern California. Welcome, Cyrus, to the dojo. Thank you. Thank you, Kostya. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you. Actually, we've had a bunch of new guests lately, so it's been it's been really cool to keep up the trend. And um, well, actually, main reason we're we're here is because you recently have a new book out called Rewire Your Chest Brain, um, which as soon as I saw that you were even writing it on Facebook, actually, I was um, already looking forward to it. Um, oh, really? We have this like big Facebook group like Chess Problems and Compositions. Um, right. Shout out to GM Max Illingworth uh, from from that group as well. And right. uh, and yeah, this Max book I'm I mean, just super exciting. Max and I started that group in uh, October of uh, 2019, and uh, we've steadily gained 1,000 a month. We're at 13,600 members. So we're, we're just basically every month we pick up 1,000 members. And what, what's the so group called? Really I'm sure nice. people missed the title. Uh, it's called Chess Endgame Studies and Compositions. Cool. Yeah, it's actually a really fun Facebook group. And basically people are just posting problems there all the time. People try to solve them or they just comment on the aesthetic uh, <laughs> nature of the uh, the solutions. Um, so we'll be talking about your um, your book. Uh, if you guys want a link to it, you can hit exclam uh, follow, find the uh, link to the book on uh, Amazon. It's basically a, a book about endgame studies and mating problems, and we'll definitely get into it. I also want to mention Cyrus is a very, very accomplished um, author. And uh, recently, actually, he just won like back-to-back uh, awards from the Chess Journalists of America. Um, you'll have to help me with the the book titles, uh, Cyrus. But uh, oh, what was the first one for? It was for In the Zone. No, the first one was Chess for Hawks in 2016, and uh, In the Zone was 2020. The, like, there's different categories. Both won Instructional Book of the Year. Oh, very cool. Um, yeah, you're one of the most like prolific authors out there. In fact, our last topic today is just going to be how do you have time. Uh, to, to write so many books because actually I think time management is something that certainly mm -hmm. uh, chess players struggle with. Um, but let's first talk about the, this new one. I, I have it here. It's called uh, Rewire Your Chess Brain, and uh, it's it's a pretty it's a pretty thick book. I've been um, really enjoying it so far. I've just been solving a few problems like every night, setting them up on on my board here, and um, yeah, trying to go through them. But Cyrus, maybe you could give us just a quick overview of what inspired you to to write the book and yeah sure um well i i had a heart attack in 2016 at the board and i you know i stubbornly played three more years but uh it was getting worse and worse you know i was just getting chest pain every time i i started a game i'd get chest pain from the the tension and i i was pretty much forced to quit uh, playing tournament chess so I, um, I decided, you know, I played chess competitively my whole life. I started playing in 1968, right? Just nothing but competitive chess. And everything was about winning. And I thought maybe I'll, you know, I'd like to look into chess for the pure art of it. And so uh, I started getting into uh, composed mating problems and endgame studies. Um, I sort of thought it was like a graveyard for old IMs and GMs to go to to die. You know, when you do that, you 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 go there to die. And just as a um, 
I noticed after a few months, my uh, online blitz ratings on, on uh, different servers started to go up. And, you know, I was 59 then, and like, uh, nobody gets better when you're 59, right? I mean, you, there's only one direction you go at age 59, it's down. And I thought, you know, could it be the, uh, the studies and, and problems that's doing this? So I did an experiment, and uh, I, I spent part of my lessons with my students, uh, I, I opened with studies and problems. Uh, mm -hmm. And... You know, some of them are some of them are so difficult that it's just absolutely impossible for them to solve. So they need hints, and they need you to kind of like uh, guide them and just tell them, well, does this look like a fortress study, or is this a mating problem, or do you win the queen? You know, they need hints, to, mm -hmm. and they can solve it with hints. Anyway, um, I had this student. I mean, I still have this student named Jonathan. Uh, he plays at the San Diego Chess Club. He's age 55 right now. And he, for 20 years, he cycled between 1290 and 1360. And within six months of uh, doing mate in two problems, I think those are some of the most valuable that you can do, mate in two composed problems. Um, his rating shot up to 1576. So this is a guy that's never broken 1400, who's suddenly on the cusp of 1600. And he's 55, okay? Nobody, again, gets that, that much better at 55. I mean, that's the only change in his chest. So I, I realized, oh my God, this thing is an incredible training tool. And that's when I wanted to write the book on it. Because I realized it's not just an esoteric thing, you know, of appreciating the beauty of chess, which which it is. I mean, that that's a big part of it. Um, but it's actually an incredible training tool I, I did some research and I, I sort of discovered the Soviet uh, empire kind of knew this since the 1930s and they kept it kind of like a secret. But um, if you do endgame studies, even if you don't solve one study in the book, okay, you, you it's the process of doing it where um, you strain for about five minutes to 15 minutes trying to solve it. And if you think you're going somewhere, keep solving. But if, you th if you're just at a dead end, look it up. Mm -hmm. Just look up the answer and then start the next problem. You don't have to actually get the answers right to get better. All you have to do is try. And then if you can't get it, look it up. It's that process which improves you. That's really interesting. Yeah. Um, so I, um, we, we have a question specifically about like, how should one like work on studies and we can get into the mechanics like yeah like how much time to spend like when should you quit and all that which i think a lot of people have have questions on um and it people always ask like okay who like who are studies good for and and from your uh from your anecdotes i mean it sounds like basically any level can benefit from just trying to solve problems well it benefited an old i am and it benefited an old i don't know what uh, you know, 1290 to 13, I guess that's a D player, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. So the D player suddenly is on the cusp of being a B player. And uh, the old IM suddenly got better in blitz, right? So if it, if it, if it helps people like us, imagine if you start training an eight-year-old on it mm -hmm. or, or a 10-year-old, they're going to be unbelievably good. The other thing about the group I noticed was, um, 
just incredibly strong players like uh, Alexei Shirov and Nigel Short, they were clearly they've done studies and problems because they talk about them uh, as if they've already known this study. You know? And they, like I remember Nigel once said something like, well, this isn't Abbott's best problem. The other, the other one is his better one. So clearly he's looked at this Abbott's problems and I'm saying, who's Abbott? You know? <laughs> <laughs> the way and chess players normally surprise people by saying like oh yeah that looks like court noise game from 1976 or right. something but right. it's like that with the problems they have that same uh knowledge and depth behind that already right right it's exactly the same in fact uh there's some world-class composers on, on my page there's um in the group there's martin minsky who just got the composition gm title uh, Stefan Slumstrup Nielsen, who just became IM of composition, mm -hmm. and there's Yoshinan Afek. I believe he's a GM of, of composition. Mm -hmm. But uh, from what I've heard, uh, it's 10,000 times harder to get a, a, a title in composition than it is over the board. Okay, oh, like you have to win six million first prizes in, in these uh, competitions. And then they'll say, well, maybe we'll let you be an IM, you know? <laughs> I mean, I, I have several, several of Stefan's studies in the book, in the Rewire Your Brain book, and they're just mind-blowing. Like, like, I'm just, I, I can't compose at all. I just don't understand how they do that. I don't know the process. Uh, they, I guess they see some sort of uh, geometry, and then uh, maybe they work backwards, right. where they, they, they have the answer, and then they work away from it. I, I don't know how they do it, but... Uh, They'll have we get you know like eighteen move studies where there's a sting at the end like and I'm going well how did you know that was there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would imagine a lot of studies just start with like noticing some cute trick and then working your way backwards to kind of yeah like to to finish yeah, with I, that. I remember, I remember Stefan saw a game. Um, I think it was Duda who who beat someone else. I, for, I forgot who uh, beat one of the top Chinese GMs. It might have been Ding, uh, Ding Liren. And mm -hmm. uh, it was a little combination at the end. And then the next day, Stefan showed, showed me a problem he created from that combination that was like 600 times harder to, to solve than the actual <laughs> combination, right? So, <laughs> and he made it overnight. Yeah, he just, I, I saw, um, GM John Levitt. Okay, I posted a problem, and um, he, like, in, in real time, like, just speaking to me on the group, just chatting with me on the group, he said, I, ha I have an idea for a study. Uh, could you set this up for me? And, it, like, you know, he goes, uh, knight here, bishop here, pawns down here, you know, wow. and, and, like, then it didn't work, and they said, oh, yeah, 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 just add a knight to C1, a black knight to C1, and it works. That's crazy. And, you know, I'll be damned, you know, that, that study's <laughs> in the book. Like, I mean, what? it's a really, it's a really nice study. And he did it, like, instantaneously from looking at another study. He got the idea from another study, but it was like a variation on a theme. Are we, talking, like, are we talking, like, five minutes or an hour for him to come up with I'm, it? about one minute, he looked at the problem and then he said, you know, I have an idea for uh, a study. And then, you know, I said, uh, he said, can you set this up for me? He didn't know how to do the, he didn't know how to post at that time. 
Okay. Right. So I said, sure, let's, let's do this, you know, and I, <laughs> and, uh, you know, he, he fiddled with it a bit, but he did the, he did the study in, uh, under 10 minutes. It was, it was wow. well under 10 minutes. And, and it's so, I think, I thought it was so good. I put it in the book. Yeah. Actually, we wanted to ask you, Cyrus, how, how did you decide on the contents of the book? Because actually, I want to let everyone know the book itself has, I think, like 10 chapters um, with different topics. There's like, uh, okay, old school drawing studies, realism, and you have multiple chapters on like mates and different, uh, different amounts of moves, one move mates, two move mates, three moves, four more moves. Um, then a couple of chapters, actually, I'm not sure exactly what they're about. One is called Unchess, number nine, Life Simulates Art. Then number ten, the wonder kid, uh, the wonderkind. Yeah, how did you choose on on the studies that went into the the book, and what was the process um, like? I basically the ones I just came across. I I, I started. Um, I got like a database of endgame studies, and I basically searched the internet. I asked composers. I asked uh, problem study experts, and. Uh, you know, they, they kind of guided me, like, look at this guy's problems. I, there's the, um, there's one uh, database for endgame studies, and there's one for um, composed mating problems. The composed mating problems is, um, I think it's called uh, yet another uh, chess database, uh, chess study database, something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, the other one is, the endgame one is by uh, Harold Vanderhagen, who's been putting this together for like decades. Right. And he's just collected zillions and zillions of endgame studies. So basically I searched, I, I looked in the database, I looked in books, I looked, you know, I, I just searched Facebook for people who posted, but a lot of the studies were just people posting on in my group, you know, and I, and uh, I, I look at the study and I go, wow, that's an incredible study. Okay, that's going in the book, you know, <laughs> boom, <laughs> like that. So I'm not an expert at all in this. I'm, I'm, I'm a complete neophyte in studies. I, I just, <laughs> all I know is that they help. That, that's, <laughs> that's all I know. <laughs> so have you ever composed a study yourself? Yeah, unfortunately, I composed two. <laughs> uh, one, one was a total disaster, okay? It had like three answers to it. <laughs> okay, so that one was out. And then I composed another one. Um, it, I called it the worst study in the book. Okay, I put that one in just, but it's clearly the worst study in the book. But um, uh, I should have had a chapter on my studies called Every Dog Has His Day. You know, I don't know. <laughs> but I, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a composer. I mean, I, I, I have no clue how to, how to compose. Yeah. And I, I have no clue how to solve either. I mean, I just know that it helps. That's that's the only thing I'm an expert on. Is I can tell you, yes, it helps. <laughs> but you've spent about a you spent about a year looking at studies by now, so you're getting better at understanding what. I'm getting better. Yeah, I am getting better. I I know, I know right away that uh, the normal move you would make in a tournament game is absolutely not the answer. Okay. I, I know like a check is very rare on move one. Yeah. Um, and you start looking for crazy ideas. Like um, I, I'm really good at discovering a theme of a problem. Like I, I kind of know, okay, this is going to be a fortress and I, I kind of need to do this. And then I, I nearly 100% of the time bungle the implementation of it. Like the mechanics of it, I, I always screw up like pretty much. Mm -hmm. But um, 
you do get better. You 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 get even a guy like me, like uh, I'm a completely you know, I mean, I'm retired now, but when I played, I was a completely lopsided I am. I was, you know, one of those guys who hardly anyone could outplay, but in time pressure, I, I fall for a, you know, two-ply combination, like, oh crap, you know, like basically I'm a strategist and not a positional player. Mm -hmm. And I think um, chess studies, you need, you need both. Uh, the strategist will, will find the correct idea and the tactician will find the implementation, the correct implementation. Right. That's a really good point. Yeah. You need sometimes a little bit of um, schematic mm -hmm. picture of how you're going to win the position or like what's going to need to happen. Right. But then, yeah, you have to right. find the key decor deflection you need to hang the right piece on the right square <laughs> to make exactly. it work and, and the right move order too it's like yeah. the move orders are unbelievably tricky in some of them yeah actually we have a few studies um for the audience to to solve uh i'll just put the um first one up here i know uh for the eventual podcast audience you guys are not going to be able to see the board but if this ever becomes a real podcast i will put the fen in the show notes so this will be exercise one, and then you can set it up for yourself and uh, try to solve it. Um, so like pretty much, I think virtually all studies, this is gonna be white to play and win. And in the meantime, maybe we can go on to the, the next uh, topic and ask Cyrus, um, what are some of your just favorite chess books in general and who are your uh, favorite problem composers? Kostya. Um, okay, my yeah, favorite. sorry, David, go ahead. Yeah. Before you zip ahead, I wanted to ask the same question to you. Have you ever composed a, a problem, Kostya? No, never even tried. <laughs> to me, it's always been um, like I've just felt like composition certainly feels more of like a, like an art, maybe a science, rather than um, helping with like chess skill. So I'm 100% believer in the the solving of studies and problems to improve your your chess. But in terms of composition, I've never felt like it's going to be helpful. I've always just felt like it's more of a artistic pursuit. So I've never never really gotten into it. I've composed, I've composed three in my life. And each time the initial spark was like a chess idea and they're composed like in reverse. So, cause that was a, you know, you were mentioning like, where do they get their ideas from and how do, how do they get composed? For me, obviously that's, I'm a complete neophyte as well. That's like almost no experience, just barely more than zero, but it, but each of the ones I did was like I had an idea and then I worked backwards to make a right. setup that kind of to. Yeah, I, I figured it. That was the process. That's exactly the process. But I, I don't know how to work backwards. I, I can have an idea, but I don't know how to work backwards. Where eighteen moves later, there's a double X clam. Like how, how do you do that? You know. <laughs> oh, excuse me. I have composed one problem. I composed it on the fly for this group class I was teaching, but it was one of those. Um, you know, white to play and not checkmate in one <laughs> positions. Oh, I love those. <laughs> yeah, which I thought was just. I love those problems. I just think those are I, those are cute. <laughs> I'm super good at not checkmating, so I, those I could solve. <laughs> <laughs> one interesting thing I've heard recently, I, I feel like I it might have read it on on Facebook or Twitter or somewhere, was that um, when it comes to solving like endgame studies, that the top players in the world, specifically the example I heard was MVL, like he's no worse than uh professional like right. problem solvers when it comes to end game studies yeah, but when but it comes he, to he like clearly worse in the in the mating problems though clearly worse than the mating problems yeah do, any yeah. ideas why that is is just like 
not as much focus on it or not as much practice? No, I think I think the the mating problems can have incredibly crowded positions where there's no strategic marker. It's it's just some of them are just pure math, and only uh, ex really experienced solvers and composers know the themes. They, they can right away see, oh, it's going to be that theme, the Novotny theme, or or you know Bristol theme. Um, but uh, you know, like uh, a neophyte like me, you know, it just looks like an insane, irrational, uh, chaotic position, which makes no sense, you know. And so I have no strategic markers. The endgame studies are more game-like usually, and um, they you have the markers, like you have strategic markers, and you work from there. Hmm. Yeah, I, it also goes to show like, you know, maybe MVL or uh, just in general, strong players put a focus on um, just solving endgame problems. I mean, they're long. It's like kind of long, but yeah. when you mentioned like the, the Soviets have known about it for forever. Right. Um, there's a couple of books I really like using for like exercises, like the manual of, uh, of combinations. I think like Chess School 2, Chess School 3. These are like Russian books that have a bunch of combinations. And then within the book, there's a bunch of like simple endgame problems as well. With a lot of these like like endgame themes. And a lot of just flat out like endgame studies. So this is stuff well, that they're doing. This one called, um, it's got some 2600 and something or 2500 and something domination studies mm -hmm. by uh, Kasparian. And mm -hmm. uh, some say he was the greatest um, endgame study composer of all time. Uh, he's not my favorite, though. I mean, I have my own favorites, but I mean, I, I have gone through uh, maybe about uh, 30 of his studies, and they are mind-blowing. But uh, they're, they're just too impossible to solve. I, yeah. I, need, I need that little encouragement where I, I can solve one out of a thousand, you know? <laughs> <laughs> David, do you have, like, favorite... Uh... Composers. Actually, I should ask Cyrus first. What are your favorite problem composers? If you had, you, had, you named, I think, Wotawa, maybe. Well, well, there's problems. There's ma composed mating problems and composed endgame studies. The mm -hmm. my favorite of endgame studies was one you actually um, told me to look at, which was Wotawa. Like, uh, and you mentioned him on the in the group, and you said that that he was your favorite uh, endgame study composer. And I looked up his uh, compositions, and it just blew my mind. I'm like, oh, my God, you know, this is impossible. Like, where did that come from? Like, how could he do this, you know? But Wotawa is, is one of my favorites. Uh, Vasily Smyslov was a great um, endgame study composer. I, I went through his, too. I went through every one of his. He, he, he did maybe, like, about 158, 160 problems, uh, studies. Um, I like him, um, I like Balathi, Otto Balathi. Now, he uh, did these studies called grotesques, where um, you'd have um, one guy has a king and a knight, mm -hmm. and the other guy has, like, his entire army, but the knight wins. You know? <laughs> <All right. laughs> the other guy's completely trapped, like, he can only move one piece back and forth. He's completely bundled up somehow, and, um, like... Uh, the knight somehow wins, and his studies are ridiculous. Like, there's one study that's something like mate in 240 moves. What happens is, like, every 30 moves or so, you gain one tempo. So you do the same, like, uh, 
you know, like the king goes around the board and then you gain one tempo and then, then he does it again and you gain a second tempo and you need mm -hmm. like, you know, eight, nine, ten tempi to, to actually win the game. So it's, it's actually solvable, some of these problems. Um, in my, um, I just finished a book for every man called um, Tactical Training Move by Move. And uh, normally, you know, those books would just have combinations from games and about two-thirds of them are combinations from games uh, but I put one-third I put a partial mating studies in mostly partial but sometimes full mm -hmm. uh, mating studies and and endgame studies because I, I just I'm, I'm sold on their their benefit but there's one uh, study there it's really a problem uh, I forgot the composer but it's mate in 50 and uh, it's really easy. I solved it in like uh, about a minute and a half. You because it like it's super long, but everything is obvious. Like you just do this first, then you do this next, then you do this next, then you do this next, and then it's made. You know, so but length does not necessarily mean uh, difficulty level. Although you know, I mean, I think anyone can solve a maintenance two by just exhausting every possibility. But uh, maintenance threes can be just brutal. Like uh, there's tons of maintenance threes I can't solve. But maintenance in two, I can solve every maintenance two eventually, you know. Right. <laughs> so those are the one, that's the one study I never give up on. Like I, everything else I give up after a few minutes, you know. <laughs> but my favorite um, mating problem composer is Geigold. I, I have some examples of him right here. Uh, if you have time later. Oh, but, absolutely. And, uh, yeah. Fritz Geigold, uh, he, um, another one is Alexander Zhukov. I mean, he's, he's a contemporary composer. Um, and the thing about Zhukov and Geigold is they always start with some shock. Mm. There's, there's almost always a shock at the beginning. And then you have to work out the study. <laughs> <laughs> but there's just so many great ones. There's, there's, there's many, but those are my two favorites. Yeah, they really are. How about you, David? Do you have some favorite composers? I I don't, and actually, um, like when I solve endgame studies, I don't or 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 mate puzzles, but I've done a lot more studies than than mate puzzles. Um, I don't even even look at their names, honestly. Like, oh really? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, I guess it's so rude, but like, I just look at it, I love it, and then I look at the next one, and I I don't remember much. <laughs> right. Right. They I, I've discovered one. Th I've discovered several things on my page. Okay, um, okay. One is if you post a study or a mating problem and don't put the composer's name and the date, uh, they go berserk. Okay, so I learned to do that. Okay, they they want they consider it like art and they want credit. Okay, so Makes sense. I, I do that. Um, secondly, if there's a cook, if there's two answers, they. Uh, they consider you immoral, okay? If you post a study with a, a cook, it's like, ah, no, no, a cook. You know? <laughs> from, a, from a training standpoint, a cook doesn't matter, though. And I'm looking at it from a training standpoint. Yeah, like, um, I, I, I should mention, I've been working with uh, GM John Lagwood Hammer uh, every every Monday on the stream, and um, he loves endgame studies. In fact, for him, it's like a break from calculation work to do uh, an enjoyable right. endgame study. Right. And, um, yeah, for, uh, for him, it's like, um, once he kind of sees the idea, it's just a matter of like, 
figuring out the move order. Um, there was one right. problem where on move five in the in the solution, you can make one of two bishop moves, both with the same idea, and they're both winning. And I felt like, yeah, from a training point of view, what's the difference? But he, right. he pointed out that it wasn't pure. <laughs> from an artistic, from an artistic uh, viewpoint, they go nuts. I mean, they hate, it, it, the study is ruined for them. You know, it, that's how they see it. I don't see it that way, though. I don't care if there's a cook because I'm like, I do studies for my students. I, and I, I think they're, the benefit is the training benefit. I mean, I, I, I do appreciate the art of it, but that's secondary to me. But to them, that's number one. Mm. Um, I'll mention, so yeah, uh, Watawa is a big, big favorite of mine. I feel like his studies are really aesthetic and uh, adventurous. Um, a lot of times, I mean, I'm with David a little bit, like you you just get a, a blank database of studies and there's no names or composers or anything. So you just don't know. Oh, wow. It's just, you know, a bunch of random problems. But I'll mention a few that I, I've come across that I really like. Uh, I mean, they're all going to be pretty famous, so I, I don't think I'll be impressing anyone, but uh, Trotsky, I think he just has some just very nice and, and cool problems. Yeah. I'm also a big fan of um, uh, Kubel. I feel like his right. his are really right. like right. realistic and, and cute. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm going through, uh, there's also Madison, hmm. Herman's Madison. Um, he died very young, but he may have been the most gifted endgame study composer of all time, but oh, he didn't even make it to 40. He died of consumption or whatever the heck they die of back then you know uh, but uh he i think he died at like eight before he was 40 but his studies are just unreal they're just unreal they're, um he's a latvian composer named uh herman's madison or it might be herman's madison's with an s at the end but <laughs> people here just call him herman madison and uh, but yeah kubel is incredible i'm going through his studies i'm going through rink um, I'm going through, I, I finished mm -hmm. Fontana, um, just, I'm going through like a, uh, there's a Zinar, there's a Russian composer, a contemporary composer named Zinar, and pretty much all he does are king and pawn endings, mm. and he's easily the best king and pawn ending, ending study composer of all time. I mean, uh, his king and pawn endings are just mind-bending, you know, absolutely mind-bending. Do you like king and pawn endgames? Oh, they're they're nightmarishly difficult. Yeah, I love them. Yeah, That's why you don't like them? <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> like honestly, I about, like what you said about Maiden 2's, Cyrus. I've I've said that basically any King and Pawn end game I can solve by just working through all the possible moves, right? If given enough time, right? Um, With Maiden 2, anyone can solve them. Like I, I had a. I had a student that was like about um, 1100 and there was no maintenance too. He couldn't eventually solve. He'd set it up on a board and he would just move the pieces until he found it. And sometimes he, he would do every legal move and miss that there was a mate and he'd have to do it again. They <laughs> always solve it. It's amazing. <laughs> brute force method. <laughs> yeah. Brute force. Right. Yeah. Cool. I also once said on stream that if there's a maiden one in a position, Mm -hmm. Like a good player can always find it, period, if there's a made in one. But I wasn't thinking that there were made in one puzzles. I didn't even realize that there were composed problems that were made in ones. I just felt like you're playing chess, there's a made in one. Like there's just no way you can't find it. And then one day somebody tweeted a puzzle or problem, and Kosti probably it's retweeted it's it. Google. It's Google. Yeah, and it was Google, a made in one. The hardest made in one. What's that? 
Kubel uh, composed, Leonid Kubel composed the hardest mate and one you've ever seen. I posted it on the page and uh, it's unbelievable how many players got it wrong. Uh, right. Got the first, got the, they, they would say this is mate, but I'd say, no, that's an illegal move. This right. is mate then. Nope, nope, sorry. <laughs> this is a block here. It, it's an insanely difficult mate and one. It's the hardest mate and one of all time. But right. it's in the book. It's it's in the mate and one chapter, but it's a Kubel problem, mate right. and one. Unfortunately, I don't know who composed the one that I saw on Twitter, but this thing was like almost impossible. Lots of pieces pinning each other. And... I bet you it was the Kubel. I, okay. I put money on it. It was the Kubel. It could have been. And I'm so yeah, stubborn. I, I was like, I once said that any maiden one, like, you could find. So, like, I kept <laughs> working and looking and looking. It was like, I don't know, more than, like, half an hour. I'm like, how is this possible? There's only, like, <laughs> you know, there's like, 10, there's, like, 10 white pieces on the board and, like, you know, whatever, 15 legal moves or something. Yeah. How can <laughs> well, I, I gave that maiden one to my students, and... The only ones who got it on the first try were two 2300s. Everyone else, even 2200s, the first move was wrong. Like they got it after like, you know, 100 tries, but like the first, I, I told them you have to get it the first time. Yeah. And only the two 2300s got it. And they had to think like uh, a long time before they said anything. <laughs> right. They were just sitting there, no, no, that's not it. No, that's not it. Yeah, it's not an impossible problem, but it is very, very tricky because you have. No, I spent over half an hour. Wow. Um, so I just I, I couldn't do it, and I was stubborn and infuriated. It took me forever. I think I had to go away and come back and go away and come back. Wow, are we talking about the same problem? Was your answer Queen A three mate? I think that's mm -hmm. right. Yeah, that's the Kubel problem. Yeah. Okay. That that thing blew my mind. I didn't realize a maiden one could be difficult. Like yeah, I, yeah, not only yeah. Did I think you could do any maiden one. I didn't think it would be hard. I I I would have if I had bothered saying it. I would have said you can find any maiden one within like ten seconds or fifteen seconds. You know, I would. Right. Right. <laughs> um, to answer the question uh, from from Pismo in the chat, it's not because the pattern is odd. Like even if it was an odd pattern, we would still you know in a normal position you see all the checks and only one of them can be maiden one. It's uh, funnily enough, a legal position, there's not like, you know, a million pieces on the board. It's like a full, full set of pieces, but there's just so many different checks and so many, um, right. pins and there's different ways of blocking like the check. There's 30 different checks. Yeah. There's 30 different checks that all look like mate, but, but right. 29 of them don't work, you know? <laughs> so that position, I don't understand how he composed that one. If we talk about how to compose things, yeah, I right. don't know what, like, I can understand, like, you've got a cool theme where, like, you block a check with a piece that's hanging and right, then right. And you move away and now their piece can't get back. Or, like, I understand how you can take, like, a cool theme and then find a way to make it work. Right. But this is literally only one move long, so there's no working backwards. I don't know how, <laughs> what bent mind could come up with that. Right. <laughs> cool. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a mystery to me, too. I, I just... I don't understand the mind of a composer. I, I know I don't have one. I mean, I, I don't have that mind. Yeah, there is a really interesting... Some... Um, oh, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. Oh. Well, I, I think sometimes um, for composers, um, some of them are very strong players, but some of them are like, what? You're, you're 1800, but you, you compose this? You know, like some of them are just composers. That's all they do, you know? I mean... Uh, one of the admins on my page is about a 2200, but he's one of the top uh, mating composers in the world, uh, Stephen Dowd. 
he's a retired uh, academic and uh, he's about 2200 his over the board rating but uh, you know I thought he was 2850 you know when I looked at his mating problems I didn't realize like a like a guy I can beat is a way better composer than me you know what I mean like infinitely better not just I mean no comparison that's how I've always felt, actually, about the uh, bug house specialist. You know, they're like maybe twenty two, right. twenty three hundred in regular chess, but then like three thousand in bug house. They're just absolute beasts. Uh, yeah, just... that hurts my feelings. You, <laughs> you know that um, uh, in the nineteen nineties, I was the top uh, bug house player for years on ICC. Oh, I had no idea. I, and, and yeah, and I was like about a hundred and fifty points above the next guy. Uh, oh, like wow. I'm, if. If Bughouse was chess, I'd be like, you know, playing for the world championship. But I'm, I'm a, I play completely intuitively. I just see a weak square. Like I, I don't do any calculation. I just know this is a weak square, and then I just start like aiming at it, and something works. You know, <laughs> that's so interesting. Because you mentioned yourself, you're like you consider yourself just a purely uh, positional strategic player. Right, I, I'm, I'm much weaker tactically than I am strategically, but for some reason in Bughouse, um, you know, I was like invincible. Um, I actually quit, I, I actually quit Bughouse the way an alcoholic stops alcohol or a drug user stops their drug of choice. Hmm. Because I found, I found that I couldn't stop playing and I stopped studying chess and all I was doing was Bughouse. And I realized that there was no connection to chess. It didn't help my chess much, if at all. And mm. so I had to quit like a like an alcoholic, like I say. And I just went cold turkey and and stopped. The ratings were super deflated back then. It was like maybe 1995, but I think my rating was like something like uh, I can't remember, like 2360 in the. Second guy was like 2190, you know, <laughs> like mm. I was like way ahead of the number two guy. Wow. Um, actually, I want to get moving on the, the topics, but before we move on, actually real quick, do you have any um, other uh, books of endgame studies that you would recommend? Are there any that you that you like? Um, Yochan and Afek wrote many of them. Uh, Jonathan, I don't know the names of mm -hmm. them, but uh, Jonathan Levitt wrote one that's really good. Um, any games collection, I mean, any studies collection by one of the great ones, uh, you, you can't go wrong. Okay, cool. Yeah, we mentioned like Kasparian and a few others. Honestly, on the, my issue with the Domination book is that it, to me, it just felt like, um, some of the puzzles were just so challenging. They were just like impossible and They're like, impossible. That's yeah. my problem with Kasparian. That's my, that's. Like, I just can never, ever solve a Kasparian problem. And, like, I I want to go, like, after trying to solve his problems, I want to go to Home Depot and buy a noose, you know, because I'm convinced that I'm rated, like, 600 after trying to solve his, his studies. But they're just too hard, you know. I, I like I like a composer where I can at least sometimes solve the study. But, you know, when it's 18 moves along with crazy uh, anomalies all through, there's no way. Yeah, and how the hell did he do this without computers? That you're wondering, like, how on earth did he do this without the help of computers? Yeah, dude was a, a genius. Actually, I think uh, Gregorian is another one where I feel like his studies right. are like right. really, really intense. Um, I let's think I go. Have a few Gregorians in in my tactical training. I think I have a few of them. Yeah. 
Oh, cool. Well, let's go on. I, I want to ask you, what are the pros and cons of specifically solving um, in-game studies versus mating problems um, versus, I guess, a third category of what I would just call like irrational problems, like problems yeah, that would never happen? Yeah. That's my unchess section. It's, it's like mm. illegal positions or, you know, you have uh, black as a king and you have, uh, you know, six white bishops, but you have to mate him. He has like a king and a black bishop and you have six white bishops, but you're supposed to mate him somehow. Sure. You know, like positions that you could never possibly get. I'll tell you the benefits of them. Okay, the the unchess problems uh, kind of improve your imagination. I, I think they help with your imagination. I, I think they're the furthest from chess. And like, I don't think you're really hurting if you don't do them, you know? Mm -hmm. A lot of people just don't like them and just won't do them. I, I like them. I, I think they're fun. Uh, there's retrograde analysis. Uh, but I stop at the fairy problems where they go, oh yeah, the knight is a queen and a rook, you know? And, and, I mean, a queen and a knight. But no, no, the pieces have to move like pieces or I won't solve it, you know? <laughs> That's but your line. Studies, for endgame studies, I think it's... Um, it's it's the I think it's the most helpful honestly, but um, it covers everything. It covers strategic because you have to find the idea, and then the tactics can be just absolutely brutal in them. Um, in games, I mean, uh, composed mating problems. Obviously, they help with your uh, mating problem uh, date internal database, but um, they do improve your tactics. Uh, the I I. I think the most valuable, uh, if I had to pick one for someone who who's um, a positional player, who's very strong positionally, but much weaker tactically, uh, that's the thing you should do, is mate in two problems. Just, in fact, do, do them every day, and then right before a tournament, do a big batch of them, and you will play better. I, I remember on my... Um, Like, I, I actually was still playing when I started the group. I said I, I, I started the group when I quit, but that's not true. I played, like, maybe two more months. I was planning to quit. And I remember um, any time I did the mate and two problems, I won that tournament next day. Boom. You know, it was like, mm -hmm. it was automatic. You know, I always won that. I played in these game 40s with five-second time delay called the Gambito. Mm -hmm. And they can be quite strong with several masters, IMs, you know, there's, uh, but um, I remember every time I did the mates in two, I played better the next day. So uh, if you, if you have a tournament coming up, do that experiment of do, um, you know, do like maybe um, 20 or 15 mates in two per day. And then the day before the tournament, do like 50. I mean, as, assuming you have the time. Mm -hmm. And I guarantee you, you'll play better on day one of your tournament. Um, so there's a couple questions about um, helpmate problems. Uh, I would mm -hmm. put those in the kind of irrational category yes. whenever right. you have to like right. helpmate, self-mate. So if I'm hearing you correctly, it sounds like you're saying those are definitely, can be useful for imagination, but you still prefer the more realistic. Yeah, I I, put, I only put one helpmate in the book just to show what it's like. But I mm -hmm. honestly, there, there's a bunch of 
there, there's these composers on my group and and also not just composers but top-notch solvers in the group and they've got a bug in their head where they want to convert me to uh these helpmates and it's not going to work i mean it's it's like trying to it, you know it's like a gay guy being seduced by a beautiful woman. It's just not going to happen. Okay, I, I, I will not, I will not like helpmates. I do not like them. There, there's just something about them that I don't like. I, I mean, I understand they're very hard to compose, but I just scroll past. If someone posts a helpmate, I don't solve it. You know, I just scroll past. To me, but it's kind of like fairy chess. Like it. Pardon me. To me, a help, a helpmate is kind of like fairy chess, like you said, like. Like yeah. one, the pieces move differently. So it's broken the rules of chess, but part yeah. of the fundamental rule of chess to me is like, I make a move trying to beat you. Then you make a move trying right. to beat me. Right. So it's like- This is like, cooperation. It's a, yeah, it's a cooperation like, thing. If the, like, you know, you can't pass in chess and you can't choose your opponent's right. move. So like, right. to me, it fundamentally breaks the chess rules as well. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you there, but I, but uh, I've been lectured many times by these composers that they are they 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 love them, and they're very hard to compose. And from an artistic standpoint, they're every bit as uh, beautiful as an incredible endgame study or mating problem. Mm -hmm. But uh, I just personally don't like them. It's like you know, I know that an opera singer. Let's say I hate opera. Like I hate the sound of opera. You still know that an opera singer has to go through years of training and it's a very hard thing to do but you don't like it when you go to the opera right and so it's like that with me i don't i don't like them and i can't make myself like them you know i guess the key difference for me is that like these problems i think they're really really good for like building like maybe like deduction skills and like logical thinking sure. skills and like oh, yeah. uh, uh schematic thinking and all that but i just think like you know you could probably get that from uh again, realistic positions and sure. some kind of sure. like thematic idea on top of that. So you get like a little bonus. Right. Um, I'll, I'll tell you the difference, mm -hmm. you know, like um, I thought, you know, doing tactics puzzles, you know, like online ones on, on all the servers have them, you know? Yeah. Um, but the, the composed problems are very different uh, than uh, because the, the tactics that, the combinations that you see are cliches. Like we've seen the smothered mate 10,000 times. Like it's not, some of these problems are not hard. Um, one time, like I, I remember um, it's in the, it's in the introduction to the book, but um, this parent of one of my students uh, wanted to test me on, on problems. So he took out the Reinfeld uh, thousand and one brilliant mates. And he made me do like, uh, I forgot how many, like two pages or whatever, or, or one page. And I can't remember, but I solved something like, uh, I, I solved like 12 problems in about 17 seconds. Okay. Like wow. that's not helping. Okay. That's not helping. If you solve those in 17 seconds, that means that you know those patterns. Mm -hmm. When you do end game studies and uh, compose mating problems. Now, now look, I've been doing them for 13 months. Okay. And every single day I try to solve one and I go, holy crap, you know, like it's a completely new thing I've never seen. It's a new geometry I've never seen. That's the benefit of them. They uh, just amazing, impossible geometries. 
And if you go through enough of them, um, your, your combinations over the board feel trivial. Like they, they just feel, well, of course it's that, you know? Hmm. They feel very easy, in fact. Uh, the, the thing I'm, I'm, I'm so mad about is if I had known about this when I was a kid, I, I'm sure I would have been at least 100 points stronger, maybe more, right. you know, but I didn't know about it till I retired. And so, <laughs> but at least I can help my students and I, I can uh, help people who uh, read the book, you know? Yeah. Um, so you've already answered this uh, a little bit. Our next question uh, is, was going to be, um, who should work on studies and how? But maybe we can go into a little bit in terms of the actual like mechanics. Like, you know, let's say someone has your your book. Um, how exactly should they work through it? Because one of the things actually that was bothering me is that sometimes I catch the solution, like when I flip to a new problem. And I, like, so do you recommend, you know, you have like a notebook ready, you're just always covering up the page? Yeah, and then... I cover, I, I, I get irritated too, because I, I go on my group and try to solve and then uh, some someone like has the answer and I, I, I don't want to see the answer. But yeah. I see it, you know, like it's all oh, damn it, you know. And then I can't solve it, right? <laughs> but yeah, just put a just put a paper so you don't see it. Uh, but the th the one thing different with my book compared to other Endgame Studies book is, I think you should not spend a long time on a single study. Okay, mm -hmm. my my personal rule is. Um, I, I strain for five minutes, just like it's a tournament game. And I really try hard. I, I try to first find the theme. And if I do, then I keep working on it. But if, I, if I'm just clueless, I don't have, I don't know where to start. I, I'm just lost. Five minutes, that's all. I look it up. Because, bam, I have that imprint from looking it up. And I think if you go through the book the second time, you'll be a hell of a lot faster. Because... Um, and not just from memory, I think because of uh, internal imprints more than memory, you don't actually remember the move, but you remember the theme mm -hmm. and you, you then are able to solve it. So you recommend kind of like a woodpecker approach. Are you familiar with that book, The Woodpecker Method? Yes, I have that book. It, it, I, I, it's exactly like The Woodpecker Approach. In fact, I, mine is The Woodpecker Approach with mate and two problems before a tournament, okay? And endgame studies all the time, you know, just for, I think they're the most beneficial because they're like the all-rounder. They cover everything. There's nothing that's missing from an endgame study. Mm -hmm. And to clarify what you said, you said five minutes, hard focus, no matter what. And then if you feel like you right. have, you're on the right track, then you'll spend up right. to uh, 15 minutes. Right, exactly. If I don't get it within about 15, I abandon ship and I just look it up, you know, but I, I think it's... I think it's not uh, useful to sit there for four hours and try to solve a study. First yeah. of all, you could be completely wrong and you just lost four hours of your life. <laughs> but I, I think just if you get an intuition that I can solve it, keep going. If, you, if you're if you clueless, look it up. It's simple as that. David, is because this similar I, to your, um, you had a video like how to build tactical skill. And you recommended like this uh, exercise where you spend like 30 seconds to a minute trying to solve a tactic. And then if you don't recognize the pattern, you just look at the solution, you just move on. Yeah. I mean, this is for much, that's for, you know, lower rated players to some extent. And it's talking about the kind of puzzles that Cyrus can now solve in, you know, one or two seconds each, right? Like the Reinfeld kind of level. 
puzzles right. and what I what I said about those is even something like like we know queen g8 check rook takes queen knight f7 mate like you said right, right. but yeah. if somebody doesn't know that how long could they stare at that position without finding it if you don't know the the, the basic uh themes right like if you don't know zugzwang if you don't know smothered mate if you don't know schwiesenzug right uh interference whatever you should do regular puzzles. Like, I mean, conventional puzzles, you should do them. Right. But I'm talking about like it, after a while, you do know the themes. I mean, you, you might right. know them, but you don't spot them. After right. that, I think, uh, well, remember my student that, that shot up almost 200 points, um, he was between 1290 and 1360. That, like he knew the, the tactical themes, right? He did conventional puzzles and they didn't help right but the but the but the mating problems did help there's something different about them there's just something different and he also tries endgame studies but he says he just can't solve any so he does my my suggestion of just try for five minutes and then look up the answer it, it's yeah. the process it's not the solving like it doesn't matter if you if you get this book and uh i said in the in the introduction you know, there's 339, I, I think, problems in the book. And mm -hmm. let's say you get three, four, five percent of them, okay? You will benefit from the book. It doesn't matter. Your score does not matter because now you have 339 imprints that, um, and actually, you have thousands of imprints because many studies are, have like multiple themes in them, right? There's, there's this, there's you know, every few moves, there's a different combination, you see. And so in one study, you could learn five different themes. Yeah, mm -hmm. easily. And so we go through the whole book and maybe we solve 3% mm -hmm. and look at the answers on 97% and then we go through right. it again, right? And now we can solve. Wait, wait a month, wait, wait a few months even, like maybe even oh. like three to six months and then try to go through it again. And I bet you, you'll score much higher. I, I'll bet you the second time you'll score 15% on the next time. And, and you won't remember the answers, you know, you will not, I mean, most people won't at least remember that it's this move, but what you will remember is it's, I think it's this theme and your intuition will, will guide you to the, the first move. And then you'll, oh, oh I think I, this is the second move. But I think the, the repetition is very good too. One thing I would recommend I, I, in terms of just the, the repetition is um, actually just posting problems online, uh, either like on Twitter, Facebook, Discord, mm -hmm. Reddit. I think the act of like posting a problem and like saying, okay, this has a cool solution. Sure. And then seeing mm -hmm. like, you know, people respond like, oh, cool problem. Just building that emotional connection can really help you um, internalize the, the idea. So I've been posting like, uh, like one, sometimes two problems every night when I do these, just like the solutions that I like, or, um, just kind of cool, uh, cool studies, mainly actually for my benefit. Also just to get into the habit, uh, kind of Neil Bruce school of chess here of just like doing it every day, building the expectation, like that I'm going to be solving every single day and, um, yeah, working, uh, consistently. I do, I, I do exactly the same. I post one on my Facebook page. I mm. post one, um, in my group and i also post one on a, a composer's page uh 
called Tress PM Puzzles and Studies. He's an Israeli composer named Michael Passman. He's a phenomenal composer. He's very new to composing, but he's won a, a huge number of prizes in the short time he's been composing. Hmm. Um, but I think some of his uh, studies are in the book too. But uh, what I really like is the group think. You know, mm -hmm. like I'll post a study and some guy will say, well, is it Bishop D4? And another guy will say, well, no, because of this move, but that refutes it. And you'll go, oh, okay, how about Knight F3? And another guy will, will say, I think that's it because of this, this, and this. And another guy will say, no, wait, you missed this. And so it's almost like a, a group of people together studying virtually. You see? Like a Skittles room online. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's it, but it's a there's a group think, and I think that's incredibly beneficial too, because especially when a really strong solver comes on, uh, mm. because then uh, uh, Jerry Hurtnecht, a German GM, uh, is often in the group and on my page, and uh, he he loves to study. Uh, he loves to solve studies, and. Uh, I, I really like to follow his thinking. Sometimes he's wrong and then he figures out he's wrong. And then he, he sort of self-corrects. And then he goes, oh wait, no, maybe this. But I learn a lot from him, the, the way he solves. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And um, actually how hmm. much time should one spend um, solving every day if they wanna like, let's say they wanna spend this month improve their calculation. How much time would you recommend? Um, like five days a week? Have every day well, yeah whatever whatever you have it doesn't matter like some people have lots of time some people are busy if you have 15 minutes spend 15 minutes if you have half an hour spend a half hour but um if you if you have a daily regime where you you know i spend this much time on openings i spend this much time on going over games and i spend this much time playing and this much time solving conventional puzzles Add composed works. That's my only recommendation. Just, Just add, add it to your to your, to mm -hmm. your study regiment. <clears throat> Love it. Um, okay, our last uh, question of the day: How does Cyrus write so many books? It feels like you have a book out um, every year. And as someone who's written a book and has done other projects, it takes me forever. Like I'm, I, I don't know. I it just like. I'm a perfectionist. I end up looking at like 400, 500% of the material that ends up going into the book, you know, or the project, what have you. So how do you, how do you budget your time? I guess is, is my question. Well, um, I, I, um, I kind of hid this for my whole life, but I, I <laughs> kind of came out last year, but I'm autistic mm -hmm. and, uh, like I'm like a child when it comes to technology. Like if you teach me something next day, I forget. Um, like for instance, um, I, I went to a gym um, for the last 20 years, okay? It's, it's about three miles from our house, okay? And, and I went five days a week for 20 years. And because of the pandemic, I haven't been there since yeah. like, you know, uh, whatever, February or March, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I had, my doctor is right across the street from that gym. Like it's like two streets over from the gym. And first of all, I hadn't driven in that long. And so I, I forgot how to start the car. Like I, we have a hybrid and I, I didn't know how to start the car, okay? Then I finally figured it out. Then I, I went to the doctor's office and 
except I got lost. I, I couldn't find the doctor's office. Like, it's like, I, I've only been here five days a week for 20 freaking years and I can't <laughs> find it, right? So in there's one part of my brain that's like a, a three-year-old, okay? But there's another part um, that kind of compensates. And uh, for some weird reason, my brain is perfectly aligned with writing chess books. Like what happens is um, when I write when I write the book, okay, I first pick out the games and then I, I lay out the games just unannotated. And then I start thinking about them. And, um, you know, if I take a walk, uh, an idea pops into my head and I'll go, oh, that will belong on this move in this game. And, th and this will belong this mm -hmm. move in this game. Like if someone saw how I write, wrote my books, like you'd put me in a padded room, like, you know, normal. <laughs> Like in quotes, normal people, you know, work on game one, game two, game three, right? Like that. Sure. But I'll I'll start on you know game fifty seven, uh, then game three, and then game forty two. You know, like I just it's it's almost like putting together a jigsaw puzzle, and then uh -huh. at one point I kind of think, oh, the book is done, you know, that. And uh, I I don't I don't understand what it is about the autism, but it. Uh, it benefits the writing too. I write like instantly. I don't, I don't have to, like, I'm not one of those guys that labors over the first draft. I, I do labor over the final product, but the first draft, bam, it's out, you know, wow. it's just out. Um, so there's, there's been, it's a curse and a benefit, you know, it, it, it sometimes I curse it and, uh, but I don't think, uh, you know, I write 1600 pages a year. Okay. I write f about, four 400 pages a year and wow clearly i can't do that unless there's some aspect of the autism that benefits it i i actually can't put my finger on what it is but i just process certain types of information incredibly quickly and for some reason in a chess book that's exactly where it works right like otherwise i'd, I'd be like a world champion but i just an i am right i'm not that great you know, like an I am is not a, a great player. Uh, well, okay, you are, but not me. Okay. <laughs> anyway, um, but but for chess writing, some somehow everything fits perfectly. I I don't, I can't explain it, but it just it fits. My brain is perfectly aligned to write chess books. Huh. That's uh, wow. Well, that's really interesting. Um, a little bit depressing. I was hoping you would just have some like right at nine a.m. every. <laughs> <laughs> no, unfortunately, it's a, it's like a freak accident. It's like a freak accident that, that, that it's that I'm good at it. You know, um, um, I do have a lesson in a few minutes, so if, if we yeah, can wrap well, it up in just a few minutes, absolutely. Actually, before we wrap it up, maybe we can give folks the solution to to this study. I haven't seen any uh, answers in the in the chat, um, but I'm sure people have been thinking about it. I don't, I don't see know the, the answer. Cost, is, am I supposed to see the position? Oh, it should still be on our um, chess.com board, oh, but you might have you might have left. Oh, let me see. Oh, I've been looking at this. Left. Oh, there it is. There it is. I've oh, been looking shit. at this since you set it up. And I don't know oh, damn it. You have been logged off by inactivity. <laughs> damn yeah, you. Chess.com. That's how they get you. <laughs> I, can, I can remember the position. I can remember the position. Okay, I saw this one. Uh, just a few days ago, okay? I realized instantly it was a fortress problem, okay? 
And the first move I got almost instantly. For fortress problem, you need, if it's queen against pieces, the queen can't have anything to attack, okay? I knew 100% with that king-queen position, I, I knew almost instantly the first move is knight c6 check. Now, by the way, I'm doing this blindfold, so mm -hmm. I hope I'm not doing something stupid. No. Okay, so That's first good. move is knight c6 check, because mm -hmm. that damn chess.com booted me off for inactivity. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so knight c6 check, b takes c6. Take. Next move is obvious, too, is c3, because you've got to make the pawns rigid. You can't let black play c3 or you're done for. Okay. Um, the, the next thing I thought of was, oh, I have a fortress by just playing uh, bishop d1, bishop c2, and he can never get in. Mm -hmm. And then I realized, wait a minute, he'll get his king to c1 and a queen on like d2 or something, and then I made it. Mm -hmm. And and then I realized I, I can block in the black king by playing bishop g4 after, like like c3, queen d8, bishop g4, exclam. Wow. Now, the king can go to b7 or b8, the black king can go there, and the queen can chase the bishop. But you can never zigzag the bishop because there's always two squares for the bishop. The queen can cover, I think, three, and the black king can cover one. But there's two more. You know, there's several more. So, the yeah, I'll just make some moves on the board. I'll put black's king on b8 here. Right. And then moving the bishop back and forth. And so the queen can yeah. give checks and attack the bishop but right. never... Huh. Never win. Right. And there's one more plan that black can try. He can try to infiltrate via b3, right? But yeah. here's the problem, okay? Um, if you play queen b3 check and I play king a1, mm -hmm. okay? Now, I have to be careful not, that you don't have some queen d1 check and then take my bishop. I have to put my bishop on the right square where you don't have a double attack, okay? Mm -hmm. But the queen goes b3 check and I play king a1. Now, if black's king is on a4, he can't go into b3 because the queen is there. And as soon as the queen moves, my king goes right back to a2. And Black's king can never infiltrate via b3, you see. So it, it's a fortress. It can never pass c8, and it can never enter b3. And so you've covered your two fortress squares. So um, this was a, like this was a Watawa problem. And I swear to God, uh, this is like the easiest Watawa problem of all time. Like my <laughs> my. Uh, track record with Wotawa is like 0.5% or something like, you know, I can never solve them. They're like, oh my God, are you kidding me? You know, they're way too difficult for me. But this one I actually did solve, you know. So wow. I guess like it's that, uh, it's a thing of, you know, if you put an infinite number of monkeys in a room with typewriters, they will get the complete works of w William Shakespeare. So this was the w works of William Shakespeare right there, you know. Me solving this one problem. <laughs> I do apologize, guys. I think I did say it was white to play and win. That was kind of my assumption. It's, it's, it's draw, yeah. It's, it's white to play side. and draw. I apologize. I'll fix that in for the YouTube audience. That could be why you got no comments. <laughs> I didn't. Even, I didn't even notice you said that. You know, it didn't. It didn't register that you said that. Or I would have said it's a white to play and draw. <laughs> oh my! My but apologies. <laughs> Um, well, Cyrus, this has been great. I know you got to get um, going, but you guys can check out Cyrus's uh, new book, Rewire Your Chess Brain. We'll post the um, Amazon link. That's an affiliate link where it doesn't cost you anything extra, but if you buy the book through that link, the dojo will get a small cut of um, Amazon's insane profits. Um, and yeah, Cyrus, thank you so much for uh, for joining us. 
Um, if I folks are on, really appreciate this. Yeah, I this was a lot of fun. 2011. It was great <laughs> seeing you. I mean, I see you on my page, but typing doesn't count as seeing you here. I see you, so it's different. <laughs> anyway, yeah. thank you so much for having me. I'll I'll see you guys later. Okay. Absolutely. Have okay. a good one. Have a good one, Cyrus. Thank you too. Bye. And uh, yeah, guys, we'll be um, right back. I'm going to be logging off and uh, we'll be back in a sec with uh, Sunday Night Fights. Uh, where I'll be doing some commentary with uh, with Jesse and that'll be uh, that'll be great. David, any last words? What did you think of the, the interview? That was great. I can't wait to solve some studies right now. <laughs> <laughs> I've got some books, so I'm going to pull some out tonight. Hi. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> but first, we got to go play in the park. Awesome. <laughs> All right, guys, we'll catch you in a bit. Take care.